morning. Merry Christmas. Going to say that now. I know that maybe some won't be here next week, and I wanted to make sure that uh, I was able to say Merry Christmas to you. Uh, it's good to be here this morning. Amen. It's good to see all of you. Good to have all of you online as well. Um, it's always good to know that you're joining us on either Facebook or YouTube. And um, I have to say this, we actually have someone with us this morning that's been online a, a good bit, but they were able to be here today, Raymond. Where are you? There he is. We're so glad that you're here. And the journey that you've been on, it's been quite a journey, brother. But uh, you're here with us today, and that's a big praise to the Lord, isn't it? Amen. Amen. So good. So good. I want to thank uh, Luana for leading us to the throne of grace and uh, the worship team for doing such a wonderful job of leading us in worship. And Justin and Abigail for your uh, Advent readings. Very good. It's a time of worship. Amen. Amen. Uh, I also do want to say that, uh, Brandon, if you're wondering where Brandon's at, Brandon's been sick. And I wanted to let you know that because uh, just, just lift him up in prayer. He's feeling better, but uh, he's just concerned. Like, wanted to make sure that he doesn't pass anything on to you. You know, that's the kind of things you, you don't want to pass on. So uh, he was doing that this morning, and I'm sure he's probably joining us online. So, Brandon, we love you, and we're praying for you, brother. Um, anyone like Christmas movies? Yeah? Christmas movies? Some of you are shaking your head, no. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, one of my favorites is The Grinch. The Grinch. And there's this song that goes with the, with the movie, right? You guys know the song? We're not going to sing it, uh, <laughs> but it's it's a it's an interesting song. Here's some of the lyrics to that song. Okay, this is this is this is going to tie in. All right, um, your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You have garlic in your soul. <laughs> yeah, you have termites in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile. You're a, this, this is one of my favorites. You're a nasty, wasty skunk. Your heart is full of unwashed socks. Your soul is full of gunk. Uh, you're the king of sinful thoughts. Ew. Your heart's a dead tomato splotch with moldy purple spots. And then I think the, the, worst, the worst of the, all the phrases in this song. Your soul, and you know, if you know the song, you know it kind of slows down at this point, right? And, and Thurl Ravenscroft, see many people think it, that it's um, uh, the guy that does the voice for the cartoon, Boris Karloff, but actually the one who sings the song is Thurl Ravenscroft, and it slows way down at this point. 
And he says, your soul is an appalling dung heap, overflowing with the most disgraceful, deplorable rubbish imaginable, mangled up and tangled up knots. That's scary, isn't it? I'm not sure you can say a whole lot worse about a person than that. Really, I mean, that's pretty bad, isn't it? That's pretty bad. But I want to talk to you about someone today that is real life worse than that. I should say was real life worse than that. Uh, His name was Herod, King Herod, okay? King Herod. And he was actually called King Herod the Great, right? King Herod the Great. And he wasn't called the great because he was a great guy. He was actually called the great because he, he was a great builder of things. That's why he was called the great. He was actually a lousy guy. Now, let me tell you why he was a really lousy guy. Uh, he had many wives. That, that, that doesn't necessarily make him a lousy guy. But he murdered two of those wives. So that makes him a pretty lousy guy. Would, would you all agree? That's pretty lousy. I mean, it, yeah, okay. He murdered three of his children, okay, and he murdered one of his mothers-in-law, okay? No, no joke. There's not a joke behind that. <laughs> not a joke behind that. He actually did. So, so here's the thing. There was a a point in time when Caesar Augustus said of Herod the Great that it's better to be one of his swine than one of his children. And and the reason for that is because he uh, he was king of this district and Israel was in the district. And since he was king of, of Israel, his, his, his term, uh, since he was king of Israel, he tried to appease the Jewish people by doing things that they did and like following some of their uh, traditions and things like that. And so he refused to eat pork. He refused to eat pig. And so he would not harm a pig, but he killed three of his children. So that's, that's pretty bad. It was better to be a, one of his swine, one of his pigs, than one of his children. Now, uh, this is how evil this guy was. I'll give you one more thing uh, before we move on. This guy was so evil that when he was close to dying, he had all of the leading uh, citizens of Israel arrested and put in jail. He was close to dying. He had them all arrested, put in jail, and this was his orders. He said, when I die... All of those leading citizens are to be put to death. And the reason that he did that is he knew, because he was so brutal, he knew that no one was going to grieve when he died because he was such a brutal person. And so he thought, I'll have some others put to death so there will be grieving in Israel on the day that I die. That's pretty bad, isn't it? That's pretty bad. The trick was on him. From what we hear from historians, those people that he had arrested were actually released on the day that he died. And there was uh, partying in Israel because of that. 
So uh, that didn't work out for him. That didn't work out for him. Now, if we uh, think about this, we think about how horrible he was, um, I, I believe that we could say that this guy was the uh, original Mr. Grinch. And the reason I say that is because this is the guy, this is the guy that when Jesus was born, he sent out an edict, he sent out an order. And what was that order? Does anybody remember? Have all of the babies killed, the firstborn babies killed, because he was trying to get rid of Jesus. Trying to get rid of Jesus. So he was the original one that tried to stop Christmas from coming, right? Yeah. But I have good news. He failed. He failed. Just like he failed with the, having the citizens arrested and put to death, he also failed to stop Christmas from coming because uh, God had a different plan. I want to take a look at some of the scripture that we're going to look at today. Uh, the first is from Matthew chapter 2. Uh, we're going to just read, we're going to read like sections of this. And we're going to, to start out, we're going to read Matthew 2, 1 through 3. And uh, I'm going to have you, I won't have you stand for all the sections, but this first section, let's stand together and read this. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men, you went just a little too fast there, <laughs> wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Uh, amen. You may be seated. So it says that King Herod was deeply disturbed. He was, he was mad. He was angry because he had been given this title, King of the Jews. He had this title uh, that, uh, that he actually embraced. And he, he loved the title, King of the Jews. And now he was being told... Uh, by these wise men that, that uh, there was a different king that was arriving. And what was interesting is he had to, King Herod had to at times kill to make sure that he was going to retain this position of king of the Jews. In fact, it tells us in the history books that the reason that he had family members killed is because he thought, he was probably paranoid, but he thought that they were plotting against him. He thought that they were going to try to take his authority, his throne. And so since he thought they were going to try to take his throne, he had them killed. And so we see that he had to kind of fight for his position. He had to kill for his position. And now he knew that there was a king that people weren't going to worship because they had to, but because they wanted to. You see, these wise men, they were coming from afar. They were coming from a, a far away, and they were coming to worship this king because they wanted to worship the king. Now, 
Here's the thing, and this is very important, I think, for us as we begin to think about all of the things that we uh, know about Jesus and know about uh, his, uh, the way that he comes into our life and, and how we embrace him and all of those kinds of things. Uh, it is important for us to understand that the Lord set it up this way. The Lord wanted it to be this way. He wanted us to actually worship him because we wanted to, not because we have to. And if you think about it, it's perfect. It's a, it's a perfect plan. Because you know that if you have the power to make somebody do something and you make them do it, they're not really doing it because it's what they heart, in their heart's desire they want to do. It's because they feel like they have to do it. And that's not real, is it? That's not genuine love. That's not genuine adoration. And so... Here's these, these wise men, and they're coming from way far away, and they're coming to worship, and Herod realizes, hey, you know what, they're coming because they want to worship him, and I know that I have to make people worship me. Our God is so wise that he knows when someone worships him, uh, worships him, it's because he wants it to be because they want to have him in their life and in their heart, and that is infinitely better than someone worshiping him because they have to. Uh, there's, there's a phrase, uh, it's, not a, it's not a have to, it's a get to. Okay, we could also say it's not a have to, it's a want to. And there's a big difference in that, isn't there? There's a really big difference in that. So, uh, when we begin to think about that, we begin to think, uh, okay, so what was going on with Herod here? Because when someone reacts in ways like that, in ways in which they're willing to take another person's life, there's something going on. And there's something underneath it. There's something like that's motivating it. And I see three things in Herod that, that I really think is going on here. One of them is fear. He's afraid, right? He's afraid. The other one is jealousy. He's, he's very jealous. And, and jealousy is not a, a, a pretty thing, is it? We, we say uh, a person gets green with jealousy, right? They point to that, green with jealousy. <laughs> and, and so jealousy is not a good thing. Fear is not a good thing. Jealousy is not a good thing. But here's the other thing. I think that he sees control slipping through his fingers. And no one likes to be out of control. No one likes to... Uh, no one likes to not have control of what's going on in their life. You ever felt out of control in life? How does it feel? Not good, right? So this, this guy, this, this Herod, he has got fear gripping him. He's got jealousy going on and control is slipping through his fingers. And he doesn't really know how to react to that. The third verse says that Herod was deeply disturbed. And when we read that, if you go to the Greek and you uh, look at what the Greek says about that and you look at that word, the Greek word that it's translated from literally means that Herod shook violently. He shook violently. When he heard that these wise men were there to worship this king of the Jews, who wasn't him, he shook violently. And it's interesting because when I read that, 
when I dug into that and I figured that out and, and read that, I thought, you know what, that to me sounds like a panic attack. Anybody ever had one of those? If you have, you know what that means. It's scary. Panic attacks, anxiety attacks, those are scary things. I, uh, I've had those before in my life. I don't have them now. I, it's been a long time since I had one. But I remember the first one that I had. The first one that I had, I thought I was having a heart attack. I mean, it, that's how it makes you feel. My head, my head got numb. I couldn't feel my head. I couldn't feel my hands. And my heart was racing. And I was like sweating bullets. I, I mean, I was a mess. I had to, I, I ended up in an ambulance. That's how bad it was. I was driving when it happened. I pulled off the side of the road. Some lady saw what was going on through, through my back windshield. Saw me pull over to the side of the road. I threw it into park before the car had, had come to a stop. She saw what was going on. She pulled in behind me. She was a nurse. She came up and, and started taking care of me and called an ambulance. I'm telling you, it, it, when, when you have one of these, it'll make you shake violently because it scares you. And so when I read that, I thought, I wonder if it was a panic attack. I wonder if he's having an anxiety attack. I don't know. He shook violently. He was distressed. And, and, and I'll, I tell you, I, I believe this coincides with how people are still reacting to Jesus today. And, and you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I believe that people don't want to acknowledge Jesus as king in their life. And they still have this type of reaction. Uh, one, of, one of fear. Maybe, maybe uh, jealousy, but certainly maybe uh, control slipping through their fingers, you know. And, and so they want to get rid of him. They want to take him out because they can't deal with his authority. Uh, do you see this today? People want Christmas without Jesus. Yeah. People want Christmas without Jesus. It's like we love Christmas. We love the, you know. The, the, the gifts and the trees and the lights and the, the, the music, and we just love all that. It's a really neat atmosphere. It's fun. But if you start saying, hey, this is about Jesus, this is about the Savior who was born, who was born to die for the sins of mankind, when you begin to talk like that around some people, they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We don't get into that. We just give gifts. Right? So people are still trying to take Christ out, and it's for the same reason. Just like Herod, people do not want Jesus to be king. And a lot of people will say, I embrace him as Savior. Because in Savior, there's forgiveness. There's redemption. There's these things that we, we like. We like the sound of being forgiven of our sins. We like the sound of being redeemed for the things that we've done in life that are bad. 
But we don't like the idea of him being king because now we have to submit to his authority. Now we have to follow his lead. We have to follow his example. We have to read the word and see how he wants us to live and begin to try to live that way. And so him being king is different. It's not the same. And so people, just like Herod, they don't want Jesus to be king. People do, do not want Jesus to have authority. And so you see this real spirit of the Grinch is wanting to eliminate Christ from the world. The animated Grinch, he stole packages and boxes and presents and bags, Christmas trees and the hoo hash and the roast beast. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite. And in the movie, that couldn't stop Christmas from coming. If you know the movie, that couldn't stop Christmas from coming. Those who's down in Whoville, they still gathered and sang and, and they lifted up their voices and they were still full of joy and the Grinch was listening and he couldn't believe that they were singing and he was like, I took everything that, they, that he thought you know, was about Christmas and they're still singing, they're still happy. And in the movie, you know, it doesn't really get into it. Um, I wish it did, but if it did, it probably wouldn't be as popular in the world. But the thing that you can't take away from Christmas, and so you can't steal Christmas, you can't take away Jesus. You can't take away what Jesus did. And, and I love that part of, of the idea of Herod trying to stop Christmas, and he can't stop it because he can't stop Jesus. He can't stop Jesus. So the only thing that could stop Christmas from coming was Christ, uh, to stop Christ from coming. But nothing could stop God's plan to redeem the world. Nothing could stop Jesus uh, fulfilling all the prophecies, all the many, many prophecies that had been spoken. Uh, we're going to look at the next three verses in Matthew 2, uh, verses 4 through 6. Uh, so he assembled all the chief priests, this is Herod, he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, I love this because uh, it begins to get back to the many prophecies of Jesus. And there are so many, many, many prophecies of Jesus. But it highlights uh, one, uh, kind of two combined prophecies of Jesus. And the one is in Samuel uh, 5.2 and the other one's in Micah 5.2. It's kind of easy because they're both ver uh, chapter 5 verse 2. And, and you kind of look at those and you see that, that it, it almost looks like it's talking about David, but the prophecy is very clear that it's talking about David's household, David's family, David's descendants. And he's basically saying, listen, there's going to come one out of the descendants of David who will rule over Israel. And it's very clearly pointing to Jesus. 
Now, when King Herod heard the details of where Jesus was to be born, and he had this testimony from the wise men, he had this testimony of the prophets, uh, he had this testimony of the, the scribes and those he was asking about, and he realized there was something to this prophecy, and it all added up to that point, and he knew that he had to do something about it. And so that is when he attempts to get rid of all the firstborn. But he couldn't stop God. He couldn't, couldn't stop what God wanted to do. Let's look at uh, the rest, 7 through 12. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. <laughs> Uh, he's such a liar. I mean, he's such a liar. He's like lying, like through his teeth. He's just lying. And it's funny because when I read this and I was thinking about the Grinch, you remember those of you who seen the movie. You remember when Cindy, Cindy who, who, Lou, Cindy Lou who uh, comes downstairs and catches the Grinch taking the tree, and the the Grinch stops and he looks at her and he, and he's like he gets this big smile on his face. He acts like he's so caring and gentle. He's like, I'm going to take the tree to my shop. I'm going to take it there. I'm going to repair it, and I'll bring it back here. And I think, that's the Grinch. He, look, I mean, look what it, he's like. It's exactly what he's saying here. He's like, you go worship the child, and when you come back, you tell me, and I'll go worship the child too. You can see it, can't you? I can see it. I, 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 it's so clear to me. Um, but let's, let's read on. All right. So he, after hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. I love that. They were overwhelmed with joy when they... When they saw the star and the child and, and they, were, they arrived at the place, they were overwhelmed with joy. Okay, that doesn't happen when you have to. That happens when you want to. Right? So, so when you come to church <laughs> on Sunday morning, are you overwhelmed with joy? I, I hope you are, because this is a want to. This isn't a have to. It, it, that's what it needs to be. It, when you get, when you pull into the parking lot, you gotta be like, "Yes, we're at church. We get to worship this morning. I want to go worship. I want to sing praises. I want to hear about Jesus." Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Verse eleven. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Now, I love this because, you know, Herod had this deceitful plan. He thought it was foolproof. And guess what happened? God took care of it with a dream. He, could, he took care of it with a dream. He didn't have to, like, do much. He's like, there's a dream. Here, 
go the other way. Don't go back to Herod. You know? God can take care of what needs to be taken care of. Amen? And so King Herod thought he had it, he had it figured out, but he had no clue. He had no clue that he was dealing with the God of all creation. Now here we see some things about Herod that are still, uh, still happening in people's lives today. Herod had a preconceived notion about Jesus that he could not get past. That's still happening today. People get a preconceived notion about Jesus that they can't get past. And you say, well, what do you, what do you mean by that, um, Pastor Chuck? Well, what I mean by that is people get this preconceived notion that, that if you uh, allow Jesus into your life to be your Savior and your King, your Lord, that you know, you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to do that, and you're going to, you know, and they, and they have this list in their head. Now i got to do this, now i got to do that, and now uh, I can scratch off fun in my life. I'm not going to have fun anymore, you know, and just there's so many things. People have this list, this preconceived notion about allowing Jesus into their life, you know. And Herod had that. He had that. He, he had made up his mind about Jesus, and he refused to experience Jesus. The same goes for people's hearts today. People make up their minds about Jesus and refuse to experience him with an open heart and an open mind. People have heard enough about Jesus to not want to give him control of their lives, but, not, but have not experienced him face-to-face in a close way to even give him a chance. People are afraid that he will change them, but they do not realize how wonderful the change is. The change is wonderful. I've said this over and over again to, to people that I've, that I've had the, you know, the privilege to preach to and to people just one-on-one talking, you know, just face-to-face. You will absolutely never, ever regret giving your life to Jesus. You will never regret it. You may have some preconceived ideas and notions about it. Blow past those. Break through those. Take the step of faith. Believe in Jesus as your Savior and your King. Will be so happy that you did it. You will. I, I, I wish I could convince you. I wish I could. I wish I could convince you somehow. I, all I can do is tell you, you will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. Uh, people today are not literally, not literally trying to kill Jesus as Herod did, but their attitude towards Jesus is the same, which is. I'm going to stay in control of my life. I don't need Jesus in my life. Jesus is not going to be my king because I'm in control of my life. But here, lastly, this is the thing that we need to understand. Here's something that we need to see in the last verses that we read. You cannot stop God's plans. You cannot stop God's plans. Herod thought he had conceived the perfect plan to get rid of Jesus. He had conned the wise men. 
he thought the wise men were fools in his idea. They weren't wise men, they were foolish men. And he thought that he had conned them. He, you know, he thought that, hey, they're going to come back and they're going to tell me where this Jesus is. But Herod ended up being the fool to think that he could outsmart God. He thought that he had everything figured out, but you can't outfigure God. You, you can't outthink God. You can't outmaneuver God. No one is ever going to stand before God and say, I got you. I got you. You thought you had me. I got you. No one's ever going to do that. It's impossible. Now, here's what I know. God knew the plans of Herod and simply gave the wise men a dream. And God does many things throughout our lives to speak to us. Right? He does many things throughout our lives to speak to us. It, there, was a, there was a man in, in the congregation that I used to pastor. And, uh, and he came for a while. And, and I think there was a certain point in time that he just realized, you know what? I've either got to give my life over to Jesus or I, I just can't keep coming. It's, it's just too, it was too much. It was too heavy on his shoulders. And so, unfortunately, he made the choice to quit coming. And he thought if he quit coming, he wasn't going to hear any more about God. <laughs> That's funny. That's actually funny because you can't run away from God when he's pursuing you. You, you can't do it. God will put people in your path. God will put places in your path. God will put circumstances in your path. God will do all kinds of things to continue to woo you, continue to draw you to him. And one of the funny things is he quit coming, but like he constantly got cards from my mother. Hey, I'm praying for you. And I remember when my mom passed away, he, he came to the funeral. He came to the funeral. He walked up to me and he said, I don't know who's going to send me cards now saying that they're praying for me. You can't, you can't get away from God. So, so if you're resisting, I want you to know God's going to keep knocking on the door of your heart. He's going to keep talking to you. He's going to keep putting people in your path. And the reason for that isn't because he wants to torment you. It's because he loves you. It's because he loves you enough that he sent his son. That's what we're celebrating right now. He sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. To be your savior. But also, and you can't leave this out, to be your king. To be your king. So this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what, what's going on. Um, I have some questions that I want to kind of leave you with. Uh, isn't it time to realize all the ways God has been trying <laughs> to speak to you? Isn't it time to realize that, that it's okay, it's okay to put your faith in Jesus. It's okay. It's not going to ruin your life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring purpose and meaning and joy. It's going to bring all kinds of things to your life that you didn't expect. 
isn't it time to give Jesus a chance to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and make the change that maybe you have feared? Remember, the only way that you can be a real Grinch is to reject Jesus. Also, there's, a, there's some good things on your handout, uh, which is not only in your hand if you came today, but also in the digital bulletin if you want to do it that way. Uh, there's some great things to think about, but, but I want you to just dwell on this a little bit because uh, Jesus came to be your Savior and to be your King. I want to pray for you. I probably don't say it enough. Um, I think it's kind of a, I think it's kind of a given, but I want to make sure that you know, these altars are always open. They're always open to you to come and pray. If the Lord's speaking to you this morning, maybe you'll want to do that. Maybe you want to stand where you are and talk to him. Um, you don't have to come to the altar, but it's a good place to come. And um, as we pray and as worship team sings, maybe you want to respond to the Lord however he's speaking to you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we bow before you. and We thank you, Lord, for your plans. Your plans are amazing. And especially this time of year, Lord, we're celebrating one of your greatest plans to send your son to us. And we're celebrating it, Lord, because we know that he came so that we might live. He came so that we might be redeemed, forgiven, but also have a, a, a time where we can invite him into our life to lead us to guide us, to, to give us direction, to show us a path. And we've said it this morning to be, to be our king. Lord, this morning, if there's anyone here today that wants to make that, that choice to invite you in, just pray, Lord, this morning that they'll, they'll be glad to do that. They'll want to do that. No one's making. You never force. Lord, your perfect plan is for us to have a heart's desire to have you in our life. So, Lord, if that heart's desire is in anyone today, may they make that choice for you. Invite you in and decide today to live their life for you. Lord, if there's anyone online that might be making that choice. Lord, certainly, as those who have already made that choice, we just want to make sure that as we live our lives through the rest of this season, this Christmas season, that we're handling it in the right, in the right way, in a way that we're putting you first, we're acknowledging you as king. Bless us, Lord, in this time. We thank you.
you speak to us through your word, through your spirit. We give ourselves to you now in this time of response. In Jesus' name we pray.